NTZ. In the zone, city to city, state to state, worldwide. This is the In the Zone Network. This is it. Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. You're listening to In the Cards, a brand new show all about our St. Louis Cardinals. The latest news, rumors, and views, all right here on In the Zone Network. Post game show is brought to you by. Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Everyone and welcome to the very first episode of In the Cards right here on In the Zone Network. Man, I wanted to get this out days ago, but you know, sometimes uh, you start setting up on Apple, which is an important one to start with. I want to get it out. This one took a little bit longer. I'm not sure why. There were no other podcasts that were similar in name, but I've, I've, I've started up several that have been only taking two days. Uh, this one took a week. Um, big deal. Hey, you know what? The important thing is we're here. And we are sitting in a very good place right now. If you're a Cardinals fan, you got to be liking where this team is at currently. There are 19 games left. Pending the outcome tonight in San Diego where the Cubs and Padres play, the Cardinals could potentially be looking at a five-game lead heading into action tomorrow as they go to the Mile House City to take on the Colorado Rockies. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, how did we get here? in the position we are now, when at one point we were 44 and 44, and I believe that was right at the break. Man, if you would have told me we were going to be in this position today, I would have found it hard to believe. And not that I didn't think that the Cardinals had the ability at one point to get near 90 wins, which has looked like it's all but sure right now. I don't want to jinx anything, but it looks like they're well on their way there. Not that I didn't think they couldn't. I just didn't think Chicago would would be playing this poorly and get hit with so many injuries. Their their injuries have been significant. There's no question about it. When you you take a guy like Javi Baez out the rest of the year, amongst all the other injuries they've had, I I don't even know. I don't have them all in front of me. it's It's the Cubs roster. What do we care? But they've been hit with a pretty significant injury bug. So, The Cardinals have done what they have to do, and they've won the series and the games that they're supposed to win. And this late in the year, it's just something we haven't seen them do for a while. So it's really good to be looking at this team performing so well. The starting pitching has been what's carried these guys. Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. We hear a lot about Jack Flaherty, but you got to give a major shout-out to Dakota Hudson. Really, in his first full year as a starter, He's really turned a corner. Let's just hope it holds. Um, I'll get into a little bit of my concerns that what might be in store for pitching once we get late into the year, once we get into the postseason. A little bit of a watch out. 
but I really like the position they're in. They are in control. And I will say this. Don't take anything for granted at the moment. And don't believe for one second that Chicago is just going to uh, roll out the red carpet for anybody. On paper, they are still very, very talented. And they are capable of playing a lot better than they are. And no, I am not a Cub fan. And yes, I do another podcast with two Cubs fans, as a matter of fact. And I grew up in central Illinois, so I was around both. But make no mistake about it, I am a Cardinals fan. Always have been, always will be. That's my priority. I don't even like Chicago. I don't really even like visiting. That's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into cities yet. What I do want to look at, though, is the upcoming schedule. So the Cardinals start tomorrow in Colorado, where they're facing... um, really a not-so-great Rockies team. I think we all know that. The Rockies currently sit last in their division. They're 60-84. and One of the worst teams in the National League, if it weren't for Miami, really. Currently, the Rockies sit in last place in the National League West. Second worst record in the National League, thanks in large part to Miami. So they face they face the uh, the Rockies three games here coming up middle of the week. They start tomorrow off day today, much needed off day because they've got a pretty uh, grueling schedule coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that. Rockies for three, and they come home to face the Brewers, and then the Nationals. Now, the Brewers are, are essentially fighting for their lives. They are, uh, as far as the standings go, and as far as the wild card picture, Milwaukee is fighting for their lives. I just want to start there, because at least they're facing Milwaukee at home. Milwaukee currently sits two games out of the wild card behind Arizona, who's a game and a half out, and then the Cubs, who are holding on to that second wild card spot. So Milwaukee has a lot to play for. They're within striking distance. If you're on the bubble here, this is about where you want to be. And by by the way, it's worth mentioning Philadelphia is also in the same position. They are tied essentially with Milwaukee. Identical records. So two games out, a lot to play for. They can't afford to lose any ground. Now, pivot quickly to Washington. This is a team that's holding on to the first wildcard position. Washington started off this year very, very rough. And it looked to me, well, let me give you a little side note. With me personally, with the Washington Nationals, I actually cannot watch any of the Nationals game unless it is nationally televised on ESPN or Fox or something else because I'm located right now. My job brought me out here years ago uh, to the Charlotte, North Carolina area, and it's blacked out. I I can't get D.C., Sports network channels, because I am a cable cutter. Sorry, I am a cable cutter. But I do have my MLB.tv package and everything else. But every time they play the Nationals, it is blacked out, um, unless I break down and go back to satellite or cable, which I'm not going to do, because I haven't really missed it. I found a workaround for the Reds games. That one's ridiculous, and don't, I don't want to get going on why Cincinnati games are blacked out in the Charlotte market. 
It's just a cool eight-hour drive away. Probably because they offer their damn Fox package down here. Whatever. You're not downloading this to hear me bitch about blackouts. But I can all night if you let me. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, the Nationals, a team, again, that uh, they're, they're not likely to be able to catch the <laughs> Not even not likely. They're not going to catch the Braves. They're nine games behind them. There's only 18, 19 games between all these teams left, right? So that race is done. Braves have the National League East locked up. So Washington is just, want, they want to hold on to that home field advantage for the wild card game. They're a tough team. They have 79 wins. The Cardinals have 81. Right, so the records are really close. And you can argue all you want about who had tougher competition throughout the year. doesn't matter. Um, two back-to-back series with teams with a lot to play for. One team's trying to catch up and get into the wild card position. The other one's trying to hold on to the home field advantage for the one game uh, playoff, the wild card game. So both teams have a lot to play for. That doesn't make things any easier uh, for the Cardinals and their schedule coming up. So uh, following uh, that homestand, it's just a short homestand of six games. Starting on the 19th, they play the Chicago Cubs for four. Up in Wrigley. Now, this is where the schedule gets very, very interesting because I don't think anybody saw a, a – maybe we saw a tight race coming, but not quite potentially five, four games out. And, and there's still six to be tw- played in between. So, I mean, a lot of things can happen. And we've seen this division race flip a couple times now since we've been in August. The Cubs had as much as a three-and-a-half game lead at one point. And I think if you go further back in the year, it was even it was a wider margin. And one bad week, like a stretch of seven to ten bad games, and all of a sudden you're looking up at somebody else. It's been a little crazy, and it's gotten, uh, it's gotten to a place where the Cardinals are in the driver's seat. I like where they're at, but don't take anything for granted. These are important games before you head up north to Wrigley because the Cardinals have not played. In fact, I don't think they've won. If I might be mistaken. I'll correct myself through the magic of audio editing if I have to. The Cardinals are winless at Wrigley Field this year. So now's the time. Now's the time to turn that around at a minimum up in Chicago, at a bare minimum, you don't want to let the Cubs gain any ground. You split that series at a minimum. A good series is you take three out of four. Love it. I would love it. Because I think if that were to happen, it all but kind of ends this whole thing. But a minimum, you got to split it. Got to split it. Cubs are much better at home than they are on the road. And yes, they're dealing with some injuries. But they're still, look, Let's just call it what it is. They still have talent on that team. And if they figure it out somehow, some way, and pull something together at the end of the year, we've seen the Cardinals do it in the past. It's still a team to watch out. After that, we'll go back to the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are sitting just a game and a half behind those same Brewers that are holding on to the second place wildcard position. Arizona, at this point in time, could still have a, it could be right there, neck and neck with, with Milwaukee. This schedule is crazy. They better sweep the Rockies to give themselves some insurance and and some cushion. Because that series is actually in Arizona. Excuse me. I I don't know. I'm saying the Cardinals don't play well there, but their road record, they're a game under 500 on the road. Right? I think they're going to change that coming out of Colorado, but they're right there. So Arizona's got, got got a lot on the line. Off day before we end the year with those Cubbies coming to St. Louis. As Cardinal, you know, if you're a baseball romantic, you would like to see maybe, uh, like if you really wanted to see this and get excited, like have a football type of atmosphere in that last series, 
send the Cardinals into it with a minimum of a two-game lead. That place it would be absolutely nuts. And the Cubs would have to sweep it to take it from them. I don't see that happening at all. But if you really wanted to have a absolutely insane, crazy weekend, if the Cardinals only had a two-game lead, maybe one-game lead, that place would be unbelievable. And it would be fun. And yes, it would cause blood pressure medication to uh, sell out in the St. Louis metro area and probably everywhere in the Midwest. But how fun would that be? Now, I'll sleep much better if the Cardinals have this division wrapped up by then, but I'm not counting on, I'm not counting on anything. But if they go in, I believe they're in the position right now to go into that last series of the year in the driver's seat. And we've got the Cardinals finishing the year on top of the National League Central, as it should be every year. For us spoiled fans, I want to see it again. We all do. If the season wraps up that way, as, as the, the way things sit currently, the Cardinals are taking on the Atlanta Braves in Division Series Round 1. And Atlanta would right now I don't think there's any way the Cardinals are going to catch them by record. They're not going to deflate and collapse that bad. Atlanta's going to be home. And guess what? That's four hours away from me, so guess who's going to be there? Because I can probably walk right up to the damn gate in Atlanta and buy playoff tickets. I just might do that. And the wildcard winner ends up uh, taking on the Dodgers. Who knows who that's going to be? That'll be an interesting one. You have about four teams right there that are all kind of battling it out. Five teams, excuse me. But really four of them are battling it out for that second position. So a lot of meaningful baseball in these last three weeks. And I think if you're a baseball fan, you really couldn't ask for anything more. Now, I know a lot of people beat up the National League Central, talk about how bad it is. Oh, well, you can't just say it's a black and blue division. You all beat up each other. Well, kind of do. And I just kind of think if you're, I said this on the preview show, I apologize. I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. I don't mean to do that. Oh yeah, I do. If you're one of those teams out in the West or a team out in the East in the National League, I don't know if you want, really want to be playing a, an opponent, especially if you're the Dodgers that, has been, that have been fighting so hard for this wildcard position, that have been playing meaningful games all the way up to the end of the year when you haven't had one for a couple months. I don't know. Those kind of teams, you know, can can be scary. And this is going to sound terrible. The last time the Cardinals were in the playoffs, guess what happened? They faced a young and hungry team from Chicago who was fighting it out at the end of the year with Pittsburgh. For second place, third place, one game play-in. I think it was, it was held in Pittsburgh. Cubs came out on top. I'm telling you, those kinds of teams, I don't care if you finish with 100-plus wins, 105 wins, they're coming in with a full head of steam. With, and really, they feel like those teams must feel like they're playing on house money. Like they got there. Nothing to lose. They're going to be the underdogs. And I, in some of these cases, I think, I think the, the pressure switches over to the, um, to the Goliath. And a little bit more pressure is put on them because now they're expected to win. So anyway, I love how this season's shaping up, the end of it. Um, I know some of those other divisions, the races are done. 
and there's not a whole lot to play for. So right now, the advantage that those teams do have, and I don't want to discount the advantage that they have, is they can afford to rest a lot of their, a lot of their players. They can work in a lot of their younger call-ups, and uh, you know, they've got some cushion to play with. Uh, they might have some pressure if they're trying to hold on to maybe um, a top seed so they get home field advantage throughout. I mean, you'll, have, you'll have things like you'll have uh, you know, elements of that that exist at the end of the year. But other than that, really isn't a, uh, most things are settled even if you look in the um if you look in the American League Cleveland is kind of a, is hanging there they're a game and a half out but that's it I mean you've got Tampa Bay Oakland Cleveland they're all right there for those wild card spots next closest team is already eight games out in Boston I think they're done I think you can put a fork in them in fact they just depart they just uh, um parted ways with their GM they're, I'm not their GM. They're president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski. Um, that is no more. So, yeah, there isn't much left. There's a little bit of action in that AL Central between Cleveland and Minnesota. Oh, not even between them. It's really uh, Cleveland just trying to get into the wild card positions. So a lot of good baseball left if you're a fan of the National League Central. And I can't wait to see how this unfolds. It's going to be great. I'm going to be checking in on the Cubs and Padres score tonight. I'm not going to watch it. Don't want to. All right, so on to a little bit of different news. This is, um, wasn't great news, but if you were watching the game on Friday, um, you know, we all as Cardinal Nation were delivered the message that uh, Chris Duncan had finally lost his battle with cancer. Uh, a very sad moment if, uh, you know, if you had been a fan of, uh, well, if you're a fan of anybody in general, it doesn't even matter. This isn't about him being a player. Uh, where I'm going with this is he's 38 years old. You know, I, I'm, he's younger than I am. And to know your life's going to end that soon, be cut short, you know, you really, I don't know what you face. And I don't know what people have to battle on a daily basis. I don't, know, I don't know what that does to your mind, what that does to your psyche, but from what... Hearing from people in the St. Louis media over the last several days, he kept a positive attitude. He was a larger-than-life character. Hung on for as long as he could um, to his gig on radio and fought the good fight. So I really can't sit here behind my microphone where I'm at right now and say anything any better than anybody else has already been saying it. And, and those, those closest to him and, and who knew him the best have, have already said everything that really needs to be said. I'm just another fan out here that, that is, you know, saddened to hear that a human has had their life cut short that soon. That's the saddest part to me. And we know of it because we know of him as the player, Chris Duncan. Uh, not a lot of us knew him as a person, but everything that you've heard lately, he was a pretty wonderful guy. So thoughts, condolences are, are really with, with his family, with uh, Dave, his father, who was a uh, you know, longtime Cardinals pitching coach, legendary pitching coach who belongs in the Hall of Fame, and to his brother Shelly and to Chris's wife. So those are really who, that's really who, who I think about at, at this point in time. And Chris too. But uh, I think the way Dan McLaughlin handled that and Jim Edmonds um, the other night on the broadcast was, 
it was pretty amazing. Um, I went back and I've watched that um, a couple times now. And, you know, both those guys had to, had to take their time, had to take their moments. And I just kind of, um, not even the right way to phrase this, but kind of just take a moment to themselves and figure it out and, 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 and pull themselves back together. But I think nobody could have done it better um, than Dan McLaughlin. He's, he's one of the best. So sad news. It seems like as, as Cardinal fans and not to discount any other fan base was gone through something similar to this, you know, Tyler Skaggs was one that was lost this year out in, uh, Anaheim. Um, of course we know of, of other ball players around the league throughout the years, but boy, it really seems like the Cardinals have been hit with it, uh, more, more times than not. And it's, it's never fun. Um, you know, Chris wasn't an active player, but he was actively involved uh, with the Cardinals organization, Fox Sports Midwest, and 101 ESPN there in St. Louis. So uh, very sad news. And it kind of, um, <clears throat> although I, I understand he's not an active player, but again, he was still active within the organization and in St. Louis in general. Um, brings me back to the time I, uh, you know, we took the party bus up to Chicago, Wrigley Field in uh, June of 2002. And as the bus pulls up, the sign says game canceled. And this was a time before iPhones and instant, you know, instant information and Twitter and everything else. And nobody knew why. I mean, my, my flip phone, my Sprint flip phone wasn't going to tell me anything at that point in time. I uh, didn't find out until hours after we, the bus literally did a U-turn and went right back down to Bloomington, Illinois and found out hours later what had actually happened and uh, extremely sad uh, there was also, you know, um, Josh Hancock, uh, in the car accident. It's just, it's stuff. It's, it's, uh, I guess if you want to look at it, you know, it's life. These things happen when they happen to people that you root for and you cheer for, it, it just hits a little closer to home, but ball player or not, um, nobody should be gone that early or that soon. So, all right, enough. You've heard enough from me, but you should check out some of the work that some of these other folks have done. And, um, you know, it, it, he's a columnist that I don't always agree with. But the piece that Bernie Miklas did um, to kind of uh, pay, uh, just to kind of honor Chris Duncan, uh, is a really good piece of work. Uh, he had some private moments with uh, with Chris. Um, I think the memory serves me correctly. They lost. They both lost their mothers. At, um, I don't know if it was the same day, but it was around the same time period. And so they shared a couple moments there. Um, but you really get some good insight. And Chris Duncan worked at 101 ESPN, where 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 Bernie is right now. And again, it's like. Think what you want of Bernie. That piece in particular, if you just isolate that one, I think it was really well done and well written and um, it was great. So you get a chance. Maybe you want to check that out. All right. Next, I wanted to just get into a little bit, just kind of review the season in general here. Um, We know where we stand today. Covered that already. But I'd like to discuss a little bit here about how we got here and just the overall general, um, from our vantage point, what have we seen? at various points in the year. So I really want to start with uh, the offseason and um, what the Cardinals did and what they didn't do, what they thought they still needed. Um, I won't dwell on that too long, but as we all know, it really kicked off with uh, the Cardinals uh, making the big acquisition of Paul Goldschmidt. You know, second year in a row, they had brought in a bat to try to fix the middle of this order. So you, you acquire a name like Paul Goldschmidt and I, at least in my opinion, was excited because I thought, wow, you know what? For the first time in a long time, we finally 
have this middle-of-the-order bat that we can rely on. This, this name that you can not just pencil in in the three spot, but you can put in ink. That's how consistently good he has been. Finally, and then we've got Ozuna able to back clean up with somebody hitting in front of him. We can, extend, we can move some guys around. Now, we don't have to ask Paul DeYoung to be a three-hole hitter or, or a four-hitter. That We can put Paul DeYoung probably fifth where he, he, he might be better suited. Or heck, even move Carpenter to fifth. Again, I'm going back. This is my, this is my brain working in the offseason. Maybe Dexter Fowler batting fifth. So it was exciting news because Paul Goldschmidt you know, had the potential to bring a whole different look to this lineup, and he certainly did. The bullpen was, uh, had the addition of Andrew Miller from the left side. Now, we know that some of the bullpen acquisitions over the last several years haven't worked that great. Andrew Miller, Miller had a very rough year in 2018. Uh, some of it was due to injury. But you get a veteran name like that, and you know what he's capable of. We've seen him as, as a key piece in a lot of super bullpens throughout the playoffs in recent history. We know what he's capable of bringing. So adding a name like that was exciting. And to a lesser degree, I think just bringing in a veteran um, backup catcher in Matt Wieters was a great acquisition as well. And we know that originally Francisco Pena had been signed to return to that role um, to allow Kisner to season a little bit more in AAA, but they brought in Matt Wieters. And I know there have been some other additions. Um, and I'll talk about the younger names perhaps in a little bit here. The rotation at the time... I felt was, was going to be a source of strength for the Cardinals. And if you recall, it was in the plan that Carlos Martinez rejoins the rotation. Alex Reyes um, is likely back. Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis. You had Adam Wainwright as a possible addition. Ponce de Leon, Gant. A lot of possibilities, a lot of options, a lot of depth. And we know as spring training started, that depth started to fall apart. Carlos Martinez did not show up um, what seemed to be ready. His shoulder wasn't ready. And we know Alex Reyes hasn't been available almost the entire year. We know he broke camp in the bullpen, and then he broke down after that. So the depth in the starting rotation was challenged early on. But the Cardinals throughout uh, up to May 1st had a 20-10 and 10 record. And things were looking pretty good. And they were getting ready to, uh, they could have uh, sweeped Washington. Um, and I don't know if remember it was a four, I think it was a four-game series. Um, Cardinals rested some of their key starters. They were getting ready to start a big uh, series in Chicago, their first time, first matchup of the year. Lost that last game to Washington, lost three in a row in Chicago, and then they had a historically terrible, terrible May. In fact, the Cardinals went 8-18. Eight and 18 followed by historically bad, not just May, but a June as far as offense goes. In June, they actually finished with a 500 record. But at that point, it was kind of like more of the same, like, oh boy, here we go again. An inconsistent offense. Either the bullpen or the starting pitching breaks down. It seems like they exchange turns every other game. When pitching does give you something, the offense doesn't show up. Situational hitting is terrible. Guys are constantly behind in counts. Key players 
that you're counting on all having just terrible years. You look at Matt Carpenter, you know, the, the slow start Goldschmidt got on, got off to Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina. I mean, no, they're all having a, they're all struggling at the exact same time. And it's not like we've never seen that before, but it's, it's not that common that you have that many guys having career worst years all at the same time. So you look at all that and you get to the all-star break with a 44 and a 44 record right at 500 and actually dipped one game below the very first game after the all-star game. So as we arrived at this brand new one single deadline on July 31st, the challenge was issued that the players need to prove that they'll decide whether we're buyers or sellers. Well, they, I think they answered that by going 13 and seven up to the deadline. However, the deadline, nothing happened. In fact, a couple possibly head scratching moves, maybe just moving some people around, clearing some uh, room on the 40 man that occurred. We had a left-handed pitcher that will ne- probably never wear the Cardinals uniform. And then we acquired another one that pitched one game and was uh, abruptly uh, shown the door. I don't even remember his name. So disappointing from a fan's perspective, and you don't know how the players feel about this. I think there was a little frustration, but no help arrived. The Cardinals front office, John Mozeliak, did not want to make an irrational trade just for the sake of saying he wanted to make a trade. Okay, I can understand that. And, and, and really, at the end of the day, none of us know what those offers were in total. We might have heard a name, you know, uh, Zach Wheeler for Harrison Bader or Zach Wheeler for Tyler O'Neill. We don't know what those packages actually were. Maybe some of you, some of you do that, that are into this stuff and, and have all day to research things. I don't. So no help arrived. On about August 9th, the Cardinals were 59 and 55. And things started to change. If you recall, they had that terrible West Coast trip where they dropped five in a row. And I know by record it wasn't their low point, but for, to me it sure felt like it was. Like, uh-oh, they're running out of gas. I don't see this happening. They're going to get tired in August. They're going to get even more tired in September. Some of these guys are going to be able to turn it around. They're going to have to have a big and sustainable push in order to pull this thing off. Lo and behold, beginning uh, since August 9th, they have been 22-7. and Just an outstanding record. You can probably look right at Jack Flaherty. You can look at Dakota Hudson. You can really look at the pitching has been the big thing for them. Their pitching has been outstanding. Jack Flaherty, as he to start the year out, was getting behind in counts, getting pulled in the fourth inning, maybe the fifth. Hudson seemed like it was the same. Now all of a sudden these guys are going seven or eight innings of shutout baseball and limited hits. The biggest turnaround, the key to the turn has been the pitching. You also had some new blood in there in the everyday lineup. Lane Thomas was called up. Uh, Tommy Edmond had been had, had been there a few a few more weeks before that, I believe. 
Giovanni Gallegos shows up to help in the bullpen. That was uh, part of the Tommy Pham deal. Am I right about that? Am I wrong? No, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. My mistake. That was actually a deal, the deal with the Yankees where they got uh, for Luke Voigt. One of the parts they got for Luke Voigt. They also got Chase and Shreve. Um, if, you, if I'm wrong about that, I'm going to get flamed. I know. That's okay. I'll take it. I can't know everything, but I'll take it. Um, so you get new blood showing up. Uh, it's not that Edmonds numbers, if you look at his stats, they're off the charts. They're not, but he's playing very small, very smart baseball, very effective. Situational hitting is there. He's a switch hitter. His defense is, is I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to say gold glove standard outstanding, but as compared to uh, what our other third baseman is providing, a much more sure glove, stronger arm, a smart baseball player. Lane Thomas, when he was when he did play, had 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 a few very good games and some and some very good at bats. It's too bad he's he, it's too bad he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But as uh, Mike Schilt was trying to uh, keep Edmund in the lineup and at the same time trying to get Matt Carpenter back on track, we found a, a kind of a utility infielder playing in an outfield where you have a surplus of outfielders and and guys that deserve and and deserve a look, deserve to get some playing time. I understand you can't experiment this late in the year, but I think the same thing applies to Matt Carpenter at this point. Can't experiment with him either. If he can't find it, he can't find it. Tommy Edmond needs to be at third every day. Fowler and Wright. Harrison Bader, after he was sent down, he, he, he came back and he was an impact at the plate, not just in the outfield. He's cooled off a bit, but there's no denying his defense up the middle. And I think when you get this late in the year, run prevention is a key. So the pitching's stepping up. The bullpen has stepped up. That defense has got to be locked down, and I think you got to put your best team out there. He is the best glove they have in the outfield. He has saved several runs. He's saved games for them. Despite what his bat may or may not do, and, and when the rest of the team sucks at the plate, his lack of offense sticks out a little bit more. When you've got guys that you expect to produce producing, you don't necessarily need baiters at bat. You need productive at bats out of him, but that doesn't mean he needs to bat 300, 400. His defense is worth its weight in gold. And um, he's got to be out there. And he's earned that spot. Um, you can plug in Jose Martinez and Fowler and Ozuna and you know give a spell baiter for a, a day with uh, Fowler out in center. Although not a lot of us are huge fans of what Fowler can bring defensively in center field these days. But... The key to the turnaround, the big thing, has definitely been the pitching. The offense has still been inconsistent, but they've been doing just enough to win. Going into the, the, these next uh, several weeks, defense and pitching are going to be key. They can't cough it up. They can't give it up. Don't beat themselves. Offense just has to do enough to give them a chance to win. So the key will be Defense pitching. Now, if the offense can catch fire, if Ozuna and Goldschmidt and Wong and DeYoung, if they can figure it all out at the same time, man, watch out. Because I, I, that, that is the exciting part about heading, heading into this late in the year with momentum. And if they're able to capture this division, if some of these guys start to heat up, this is going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. And there are some great teams that are going to be facing. So they're going to need to be hot in order to move on. I'll go back to Matt Carpenter just for a second. And um, as an example of 
when you try to improve from within and then when you actually do improve from within. So by making no acquisitions, by really not doing anything, the Cardinals front office, I think, was kind of banking on that they had the ability, they had enough in their system to improve from within. Now, if that was their theory going into it, they've, they've, proven, they've proven themselves correct, that they did have enough there. Uh, you can debate offensively whether they really have that or not, but they have been winning. They're definitely right on the pitching front because I was one of the guys banging my fist on the table saying, damn it, you need a starter, you need an innings eater. These guys, aren't, these guys aren't going deep enough in the games. That bullpen is going to be fried by September. That's the hill I planted my flag on. Okay, if I'm wrong, great. I am better off being wrong when I speculate on the Cardinals than I am most of the time when I'm right. So uh, all the credit to the offices. That was their plan. If that's what they saw, then good for them. I don't know. I don't know if that was their plan all along or not. But if it was... All credit due. So what's happening right now is a good example of proving or, or, or improving from within. You know you've got you know you've got enough pieces there, enough things to try out, enough levers to pull where you can get yourself back to where you believe you needed to be, and that was to win this division. That was what it was about this year to win, win in twenty nineteen, not twenty twenty. Now, trying to improve from within, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Matt Carpenter. And I don't mean to, folks. I mean, Matt Carpenter has done everything that this organization has asked him to do. He's provided some exciting um, times in his career. I don't know how often he was a leadoff batter before he became a leadoff batter because he actually didn't bat leadoff until 2016. For the, I'm sorry, that is totally stupid. He, <laughs> he actually didn't bat in the three-hole. That was the point I was going to make in a second, until 2016. But Matt Carpenter has done everything. He switched positions. He has moved around. He became a leadoff hitter. Because the Cardinals asked him to do that. And he, if you, from, you believe what you hear in the media and other players that, that talk about him, his work ethic is, is fantastic. It's off the chart. But in 2016, Matt Carpenter had, I want to say, 30, 40 at-bats in the three-hole. And that was it. Uh, Matt Holliday departed via free agency. His contract was up. So rather than the Cardinals looking for a bat in the middle of that order, and I'm not saying they relied that much on Matt Holliday in 2015 because he, he only played, I believe, in 110 games. But you still had Jason Hayward in that lineup who had a good year. Don't forget, Jason Hayward batted like 285 in 2015. He's gone. Matt Holliday's gone. So who do, we, who do we get in the middle of this order now to replace that production? Oh, let's take our leadoff hitter and put him into the three-hole. He can do that. He's been a good enough hitter. Matt Carpenter lasted about 70-some games there, 70-some-odd games, maybe 50 games. wasn't long. Batted around 200. I think it was below 200, actually, before they moved him back to the leadoff spot. And that's an example of how you, you, you tried to improve from within, but you didn't, you didn't evaluate that well enough. And Matt Carpenter, very effective, very good player when he was a role player, not one you depend on to be a pillar in the middle of that lineup. Very good in the role that he's tailored for, and that was, at the time at least, he should have still been left in that leadoff spot because he bounced back a bit. And last year when he was playing terrible, once again they tried to put him in that three-hole. Didn't work out again, screwed him up, took him a couple, it took him about six weeks to get his swing back, and that was at the leadoff position, and he just blew up 
until September. That's an example of how you try to force something to happen by shuffling guys around, and it just didn't work. Their lineup wasn't good enough. I don't want to digress into years prior, but that's just one thing that's always bugged me about what I've seen this team try to do every so often, that is try to put somebody in a position where they're not ideally suited for because you failed to go and acquire something that you needed. Or you failed to develop something that you needed. And you tried to use, uh, put a stopgap in there, tried to put a Band-Aid, or, a Band-Aid on the issue, and it didn't work. What's frustrating is you went back and tried it again. Now, speaking of Matt Carpenter, another frustrating thing when I think about Matt Carpenter is he had, uh, he had a contract going through 2019 with a team option for 2020. So after this horrible start he had to 2018, he bounced back. And I know it was because of the damn salsa and all that stuff. That was cute for about a day. That he did carry, carry this team in mid-year. I mean, he did. Without Matt Carpenter and his contribution in 2018 in the middle of the year, Cardinals wouldn't even been close in September. But he, he didn't have a very good September, and of course we all know how this year has gone. Now, Matt Carpenter was extended two years in the offseason when the Cardinals already had an option for him in 2020. So, head-scratcher. Now, all the moves that the front office has made, that's probably the one that confuses me the most, was what in the hell was the need to, to give that extension at that point in time. I didn't think I don't think there was one. This is not bag on Matt Carpenter Day. He's been a great cardinal. He's been a great role player on this team. He's just not a pillar. He's not a core player, in my opinion. All right, folks. Well, I think it's probably best that I give you a small dose here in the beginning, and we just take it from there here in a couple weeks. Don't want to give you too much. But I do want to cover a few things with you um, where you can find uh, the podcast, where it'll be available, how you can connect with me. First of all, it's now live and active on iTunes, as I mentioned up at the beginning. Uh, Just go to your um, podcast app and search for N, the letter N, the cards podcast. That's now available out there on iTunes. You can also find it on Google Podcasts here in a few weeks. We are already on Spotify. I will be shooting out the link to the show if you want to go directly to the RSS feed. And you can actually grab the RSS feed and put it in your favorite podcast player and you'll automatically hook yourself up. Hey, when you do that, you know what's great is if you go to a podcast app, you just hit subscribe. It automatically puts that on your phone every release. You don't even have to do anything. You can set how many episodes you want it to keep. It's super simple. And we want the downloads. So hook it up. You can find us on Facebook at N the cards. That's the letter N the cards on Twitter at N the cards pod. You can also find us pretty soon on our own website, www.n the letter. That's the letter N www.nthecards.com. And right now I just really wanted to post up, uh, Video links, clips to shows. We have a blog on there. A couple of writers are hanging around from the old Cards on Deck days. We're happy to do it. They're going to be putting out work there, original work. Their opinions and takes and analysis on on our Redbirds. So that's live right now. You can go out there and check the latest. 
latest article put out by Donald Glenn Jr. asked the question, is Jack Flaherty an ace or the ace? Good article. Check it out. More to come. You can also check out the mothership on inthezonenetwork.com. Just go put your cursor over shows. It'll give you a list of all the shows and lineups that they offer. That's inthezonenetwork.com. You can also find my buddy at uh, In The Zone Springfield. If you actually search for DerekKingSportsShow.com, it'll take you there. He's converting that over to In The Zone Springfield. Check out the great work he's doing. Uh, pretty soon, my buddy Nat, <laughs> Nat Nulls, um, that's the uh, DC equivalent, uh, <laughs> Matt Nulls, if you know him on Twitter, um, is going to be doing some work for them too, covering the Springfield Cardinals, uh, Cardinals AA. So a lot of good stuff coming from Zone Network. I'm glad to be a part of it. To Derek, to Arlington, to Palmer, and all the rest of the crew, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for getting the word out, and I look forward to working more closely with you folks down the road. We got an exciting push to the finish, folks. So I'll get one more of these in about midway. And then I predict that I won't be able to keep myself away from the microphone during playoff time, so you'll probably get a lot more of me then. And I can't wait. All right, everyone, until then, hope everybody has a great week. Great weekend. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.